0: Thank you for your word, that it's true and trustworthy. And so, Lord, I just pray right now as we go forward into your word, Lord, there? Is there something more I should be striving for? I just want to clarify, God has never, ever called us to strive. He's never called us to strive. He calls us to trust. He calls us to wait upon him. He calls us to stand in our faith. He calls us to persevere, to obey, and to act according to his word. Last week we discussed that society offers a plethora of options. A plethora of belief systems that can be hand-picked and molded to whatever suits you. Whatever makes you feel good. Whatever makes you feel empowered. You do you. But that pursuit is actually a very prideful practice. And the root of that pursuit is an idolatry. And I have to let you know, identify it for what it is, because it will ultimately lead to your destruction, if that's your pursuit. I want the God kind of I believe you want the God kind of faith, the faith that the Bible teaches us, that points us to Jesus Christ. Who, by the way, is still the only one who has the power to save. Regardless of what the world teaches, regardless of what is considered politically correct, I'm here to tell you today that Jesus Christ is still the only way. He is the way, come on. He is the truth, amen? He is the life, and nobody can come to the Father but through Jesus. Don't try to concoct something else. It's not going to work for you. He is the only way, the only one who can redeem you and make you righteous. It's through him that we fulfill the purposes
1: he has for
0: us. He's got a purpose for each and every one of you in this house today, anyone else who's listening to this message. It's with the Holy Spirit that we walk in power, It's by our Father God that we can take on the identity of sons and daughters of the Most High King, amen? Amen. We wanna be certain that when we're walking out this faith life, we're walking out the God kind of faith that's taught in the Bible. The faith that brings true healing, wholeness, direction, and victory in our lives. And I don't want anything less. Do you want anything less? Absolutely not. Faith is powerful. Jesus teaches us that it's not necessarily the quantity of your faith. The faith the size of a mustard seed, a little bit of faith, can move mountains. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is a gift from God. It saves you. It sustains you. It brings Him glory. But we have a responsibility in it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We own a responsibility in building our faith. Our foundation scripture comes from 2 Peter chapter 1. And 2 Peter, he goes into this and he says, first to start with, grace and peace be multiplied to you. It's relevant. God's grace is God's power. His peace is nothing missing, nothing broken in your life. And he declares, grace and peace be multiplied to you. And then he says, because in the next few verses, so that you can know his divine power. So you can know his exceedingly great and precious promises so that you can be partakers of the divine nature god is such a good good father
1: amen
0: thank you for pulling up the verse then and it goes into but also for this very reason give all diligence add to your faith supplement your faith virtue to virtue knowledge to knowledge self-control to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, to godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's so good. That's so good. God did not design you to live a boring, humdrum life. He cares that you have good fruit in your life that you bear amazing fruit, that you're fruitful in what he has for you. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sin. And then I love that I love that Peter says, you know what, it's right that I remind you of these things. You think, well, I know that all, I've heard it all before, I can check out. Peter's like, no, it's right as long as there's air in my lungs it's right that i remind you of these things and i stir you up sometimes we need stirring up to remember what god rescued us from amen the prodigal came home amen sometimes we need stirring up to be reminded of his power and his promises in our lives that he's given us power to walk in his very nature we're called to walk in his very nature in our now and throughout our future. We're not called to walk like, oh, when I'm in heaven. No, we can walk in that power, that authority, that nature right now. I want to fully access those promises in this life and leave nothing on the table. But we have to be engaged. We have to be purposeful. And last week, we went into Hebrews chapter 11, one of my favorite passages of scripture. And we touched on the lives of three heroes of faith, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. They persevered. They walked with God throughout their lives. They trusted him, even though the promises took much longer than expected. Mm -hmm. God was faithful, and their lives today are still affecting generations. What a legacy. What to God that he would do that in and through your life? That the way you choose to live today affects your children and your grandchildren, but there are nuggets of wisdom and there's faith foundations that you pass on that legacy upon, or or generation upon generation upon generation is still being talked about.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, we need to have a long view, church. When they persevered, they pressed, and they didn't consider the challenges around them, they didn't consider the impossibilities. They didn't weigh out the data trends or the cultural opinions and values to be fitting into a certain mold. They set their focus on God. They set their focus on his nature, his truth, and they staked their lives on it. Amen? We need to pull from these heroes of faith and have their ability to have the long view before us,
1: not be short-sighted, but to cling to God's promises and his character, to to
0: persevere. We talked about God's grace and peace. We talked about grit. A little bit of grit, right? We need some staying power in our lives. A made-up mind. Trusting that God has given us the power. Just like he did with Noah, with Abraham, with Sarah. He's given each one of you the power to build, to pioneer, and to deliver something godly into our generation. We had an unplanned illustration last week and conveniently so this week <laughs> of some technical difficulties last week our system was working great oh, our style yeah. system was working great right up until the starter service and yeah. then it, was, it went yeah. we don't know why we're working on that um, but we noted it to be a distraction
1: yeah.
0: not worthy of losing crap right. yeah. we noted yep that's a distraction but it's not worth us losing ground, and we continue to press on with ministry. Amen.
1: <coughs>
0: I got to tell you a funny story because in the next day, this is what happened. The next day, in, in my little world, this is what happened on Monday. Kelsey, my daughter, said, "Hey, Mom, I'm making burgers. I want you to come on over and, and I'll have supper with us." So I went over to her house to have grilled burgers. She put the burgers on the grill. I looked outside. The flame was just a little bit aggressive. Was, that, that was my imagination. That site looks just a tad bit impressive. Maybe we should uh, take a look at that. Long story short, the grill caught on fire. It was literally a fireball, and it is officially toast. No pun intended. We wound up going out to Culver's to eat. I went home that night, and I was reaching for something in the cupboard above the stove. And a glass bottle of rice wine vinegar fell out of my cupboard and shattered the glass top of my stove. Really sad. Not a cool thing at all. So that shattered. I called Kelsey. I said, "Hey, you know what? Listen, your grill caught on fire. My stove is broke. I think this is a sign from God that we are not meant to cook." <laughs> I'm like, "Thank you, Jesus. I finally have the ring of word from God." And Kelsey goes, "No, mom. You gotta keep." Fire, the stovetop, they're all small, temporary things, right? They're just inconveniences, they're sometimes a little bit stressful, but sometimes we face big things in life, things that are life-shattering, face-stretching things, and I want to tell you, the truth of God's word applies to the small as well as the
1: big. The truth
0: of God's word is trustworthy, his character is trustworthy. Sometimes what we need in life is we just need someone to come alongside and continue to encourage us and say, listen, you just got to keep on cooking. You got to keep on running. You got to keep on trusting. You got to keep on believing because God's word says he's working it out.
1: He's working
0: it out. Amen? It's right to be reminded of these things. It's right to be stirred up because we're living in such a day and age that God has specifically designed us for this time to live it out, this time of history. And we are living in the most remarkable times. I believe that. I believe it with all my heart. We were made for this, church. You were made for this. I mean, next time you feel like, oh, I'm just getting under it. Put on a little grit, a little grace. I was made for this. I've been waiting for this time. We were called, we are called to walk as heroes of faith. So to sum it up, last week, what were the two words to remember?
1: Grit and grace. Grace
0: Grace and grit, grit and grace. Good job, I'm so glad you heard. So now, let's put it to the test, shall we? Yeah. (laughs) How many of you, when you see this symbol, this blue circle of death, (laughs) on your phone, (laughs) or on your computer screen, you get a little, it goes a little bit longer than two or three seconds. You get a little chest tightness, <laughs> right? Your jaw clenches a little bit. You get a little anxious. It's time to move on, right? Ain't nobody got time to wait for that.
1: <laughs> right? You recognize
0: that, right? That circle that keeps turning and turning and turning. In today's day and age, we have instant access to virtually anything. We can stream any show we want listen to any podcast we want, we can send and receive money instantly, we have instant pot, instant carts, we have nail polish, it doesn't require dry
1: time. <laughs>
0: minimal shipping times, the list goes on. You probably have examples, right? The list goes on. It's all at our fingertips, right? But if we have to wait too long, we quickly devalue that quickly think it's unnecessary, it's inefficient, it's just not worth my time. But spiritually speaking, that would be a costly mistake. Amen. Spiritually speaking, patient endurance mixed with that staying power results in great outcomes for us. Isaiah 40 verse 30 through 31. I'm flipping from this slide so fast for you so that you can... <sighs> that it says, even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait upon the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Praise God. Waiting on the Lord has great rewards. He strengthens us, and He allows us to walk with. Supernaturally, when we choose to wait on him. You know who wasn't good at waiting on the Lord? King Saul. King Saul was not good at waiting on the Lord. There's so many examples where Saul disobeyed God and he just took matters into his own hands. He placed value on advancing himself and his image more than seeking out God in his direction. And ultimately, these choices cost him his kingship, they cost him his peace, they cost him sanity. Church, listen to me. You need to listen to this, lean in on this. You cannot maintain a sound mind going against the commandments of God and the purposes of God for your life. You surrender that. Yeah. When, you, when you go against those things, you will not maintain a sound mind. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13. I'm going to set the stage for you. It's the second year of Saul's reign and he's preparing to go to battle against the Philistines. As the Philistines gather to fight Israel, the men of Israel note the danger. They're like, okay, they're all coming, (laughs) and they get fearful, and they start to scatter and go to hide in caves. Saul received direction from the prophet Samuel that he was to go and wait seven days for Samuel's arrival at Gilgal. But when Samuel didn't show At the time that Saul thought he should, Saul started taking matters into his own hands. When God didn't show up, the the voice of God didn't show up at the time, that's what Samuel represented as a prophet. When he didn't show up at the time, I think he should, Saul reacted. He saw the enemy gathering in and pressing in. He He saw his army being fearful and withdrawing. His resources were scattered and dwindling. Sometimes maybe some of those circumstances you can relate to. There was no Samuel in sight, no prophet, no representation of God. He was fearful his leadership would be questioned. That his reputation would be on the line. I'm king, I'm supposed to be a big deal. kind of handle this situation. So, but he didn't seek God. He chose directly to disobey God's commandment. Verses 9 through 14 say, So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me and he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened, as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, that Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might greet him. If he just waited just a little bit longer, Samuel was on his way. He was, he, as soon as he had finished, there goes Samuel. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered for me, that you didn't come within the days appointed and the philistines gathered together at migmash then i said the philistines will now come down on me at gilgal and i'll have not made supplication for the lord therefore i felt compelled therefore i felt compelled and i offered a burnt offering and samuel said to saul you've done foolishly you have not kept the Commandment. and some translations say the appointment. You have not kept the appointment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Would have, could have, should have. The Lord would have given you this promise. He would have established it forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Saul's analysis of the situation was through the filter, Valley's filters, right? It was through the filter of a cluttered, self-serving heart. It wasn't through the filter of a, a humble, faith-filled, God-serving heart. Saul says, I felt compelled, and so I reacted. I felt compelled. How many of you have had knee-jerk reactions? Knee-jerk reactions—the compulsion that you act on without thought, without faith, without self-control—it that's how he acted, and it didn't. It cost him his appointment with God, and ultimately cost him his kingship. Even today, knee-jerk reactions and compulsions—I gotta let you know—in my world, they generally don't shake out well. If I respond with a knee-jerk, it generally doesn't bode well for me. I find my knee-jerk reactions to usually come from a root of fear. Uh, They're self-driven. They're not godly. They're not faith-driven. And I just want to encourage you, you want to look for application in today's sermon. If you feel like you are kind of prone to that compulsion, that knee-jerk reaction, start practicing once in a while, just taking a step back from the situation. I'm going to tell you about 98% of the things that come at you do not require an immediate address. An immediate answer. There is wisdom in stepping back from this situation. There's wisdom in praying on it. There's wisdom in seeking God's word in it. There's wisdom in gaining godly perspective on it. Another little tool, little nugget for you sleep on it. (laughs) Sleep on it. I could give you example after example where I've encountered things that I would diagnose that that is a mountain in my life. And then I get a good night's sleep and wake up the next morning and say, you know what? It's an anthill. Why was I so jazzed about that? It really isn't that big of a deal. Sometimes we need to step back. Sometimes we need to get some rest. Sometimes we need to look to other godly people and get wise counsel. You don't necessarily have to respond to everything that looks like a fire and commands your attention right away. Give yourself a moment. I'm gonna give you an acronym to remember. The acronym is HALT. HALT. If you're hungry, And honor him what would the outcome be for him today we're bombarded with input i think more so in this generation than any other wouldn't you agree yeah, I, know. I mean we have things coming at us from i mean things we choose right i mean i choose to look at my phone but even now i'm guessing that you all have like three different kinds of inputs coming at you you've got me and then you've got maybe your are and looking at your smartphone, maybe you heard the kid. You know, you've got input coming at you all the time. What things do we allow in our day to day that we are passively allowing to feed our minds and directing our thoughts? Without realizing it, we passively accept that opinion. We passively take on that different mindset as our own. We passively just, just allow ourselves to be comfortable in the cultural norm. What is it that we passively allow to persuade us? Is it the news? Is it social media? Is it our discussions at work? Heaven forbid, mainstream education? Fears? Concerns? Is it something internal? What are we allowing to take residence in this space, right between our ears? And does it align with God's word, or is it time to clean house? Sometimes we need to just shut things down. I just gotta tell you, you can probably get the highlights of the news in 10 minutes or less. You do not need to have a steady diet for that. It doesn't help you. Sometimes it's good to just shut social media down, step away from that and see what God does in your heart. Here's a really great idea. Invite a friend out for coffee and have a face-to-face conversation that builds you up and edifies you, or you could do the same for that friend. Feed on what nourishes you, Feed on God's word so you can align your thoughts with God's thoughts. Really, I just want to invite you. The word of God. Take it out and read it. For yourself. Every day. I want to invite you to do that. I want to invite you to do that. I got to tell you, I love inspirational quotes. I love things that make me feel good in the moment. I'll I'll post those. I love them. They're great. But as far as nourishment to my spirit and my mind, it's like whipped cream. Mostly air and sugar. It's not going to sustain me. It's not a foundation to build my life upon. Somebody else's secondhand revelation is not going to sustain me. If I'm in the battle for my life, I need protein, I need nourishment, I need something that's going to build up my muscles and make me stand. Amen? I need the word of God. I need to have that revelation for my own self. If you're just living from one inspirational quote to, the, to another, and you're just pulling up, oh, that's a nice little verse. I think I'll repost that. And you don't have this ruling this? I hate to tell you. Probably diagnose you as anemic, malnourished. Yes. yes. You may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer. Oh.
1: Come on. I know it sounds
0: like harsh, but gosh, I don't know. Coming to church. I've not I don't know. I need I need God. I need God's thoughts of cure. I need God's thoughts to sustain me. I gotta tell you, this this phone, we all have one. I bet I, I would if you still have a it up (laughs) we all have a smartphone right but this thing would just be nothing but a glorified weight paperweight if it didn't have applications downloaded we need the applications the applications are what make this a a genius machine that help us navigate our life god didn't create this to be a glorified paperweight he said, get into it. Read it. Feast on it. Get your nourishment from it. Put in the application. That's where your victory lies. Amen? Amen. That's what I want. The Bible says that our thoughts can be very deceptive. Well, I know. I know all this. I've been going to church all my life. No, you got to feed on this every day. Because our thoughts can be very deceptive. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that." right to man. But it's end is the way of death. There's a way that God brings us that it's end is life an abundant fruitful victorious life. If you want to strengthen your faith you need to add to your faith self-control and godliness. Godly thoughts. The word of God is your lifeline. Get a version you can understand. We'll help you with that. The church will help you with that. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding. Like, well, I've tried reading the Word. It doesn't make sense to me. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you understanding. I've done that. I been like, okay, hey, Lord, I'm going to pray. Holy Spirit, give me revelation. As I, as I jump into your Word, give me revelation. You know what happens? It's like soldiers on a field. Things start popping up out of the Word. It's what I needed for that day. Or, or the thing is, 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 a good example of this. Ryan Listman did offerings. He had no idea what I'd be preaching on. Saul and David. Mm-hmm. A man after God's own heart. What does he do? He gets into the Word, and he comes up with offering. He goes, so I'm going to talk to you today about how David was a man after God's own heart. Yeah. God
1: just aligns things. Amen? Yeah. How does that happen?
0: Look for the application. Yes. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Faith is not just hearing. It's stepping out. It's practicing what God gave you. Samuel told Saul, hey, your time is limited. The next king of Israel will be a man after God's own heart. And that's the legacy that King David had. He's also listed as the hero of faith. He was a man after God's own heart. What to God, that's what we would be known for. A man after God's own heart. A woman after God's own heart. Lord, let it be so in Jesus' name. In the very next chapter, per God's direction, Samuel seeks out David, the youngest brother in the house of Jesse, and he anoints David in front of his brothers. It says in 1 Samuel 16:13, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The power of God came upon David from that day forward. As we read on, still, still in chapter 16, keep that as noteworthy, we learn that David finds favor with King Saul, who's afflicted by a distressing spirit. When David would come to Saul, he would play his harp, and that distressing spirit would leave Saul, and Saul would find peace. So, in the same chapter, David gets anointed, he goes into the presence of the king, he finds favor with the king. In the same chapter, Saul says, I want you to be my armor bearer. In chapter 17, the next chapter, David slays Goliath, and he is embraced and celebrated by the Israelites. And it seems like things are starting out and looking the way we would like our faith block to look. This is how we would like our faith block to look. Our sound people have been awesome, and there we go. Isn't that how we want it? We want to receive the promise and the prophetic word. We've been anointed, and we just want to whoop there's outcome, the fulfillment, the success, the evidence of that. We kind of see that happening in in chapter 16. David gets anointed. He has favor with the king. He slays the giant. The Israelites love him. It's just that's what we want it to look like. But we're realists, right? We're realists. Can we go to the next slide? We know there's ups and downs. We've been walking this faith walk for some time, right? We know that there's Hills and valleys, we sing about them. We know there's plateaus where we pause and, and we maybe have to take a break to celebrate or to reflect, or, right? Does that look like a faith walk to you? Yeah, we got some heads nodding. We can agree David had some pretty good wins following the anointing. He received progress. It made sense. And, and then... Um, When I see this next illustration, it literally, as I was studying, it just made me laugh out loud. So here we are, the church. (laughs) That's David's travels to escape (laughs) halls. Can you see it? Is it big enough? Because it starts out with number one being up at the top, number five being over here. Okay, church, reality check. That's the faith walk. That's the faith walk. Because all while receiving the anointing to be king, he didn't see that prophetic thing come to pass, come to fruition, some studies say, for nearly 20 years. He got the anointing, and it, there was well over a decade, possibly two, where his life was threatened. He lived in far less than glorious living conditions, hiding out in caves. He was facing betrayal, he was dodging spears. He had to act like a madman to save his life, on some account. And that's just a few of the adversities that he faced while waiting to see the promise of God come to pass in his life. In addition, he had to hold his ground and stay consistent with his values. This is so powerful to me. He chose not to bend to popular opinion or pressure. You see, on any given day, David's men, the ones that supported him, would have approved, supported, assisted, and celebrated him slaying Saul. It would have made total sense. David, you're called to be the next king. They encouraged him. There were opportunities that presented presented themselves. But the opinion that mattered most to David was not that of his men. The opinion that mattered most to David was that of God. He valued his relationship with God more than with anything else. You see, his relationship with God had been cultivated in the quiet times. His relationship with God had been established while he was still an unknown. Some of you are frustrated with small beginnings. You're frustrated with the quiet times where you think God is in moving. God is saying, no, I don't waste anything. This is where the foundation gets laid. And David said, I will not relinquish that. His relationship with God had been proven in physical battles and in the battles of the mind and in the heart. His relationship with God was proven. He esteemed his relationship with God above all others. And he placed value, this is so powerful, church. Please don't miss this. He placed value on the anointing of God. He would not let any of his decisions or his actions violate the anointing of God. Regardless of Saul's actions, regardless of what Saul chose to do, David would not violate or dishonor that anointing. There's power in that. Like Saul, David wasn't perfect, he had significant failures as well. But he walked with God and had God-word reactions. He didn't have knee-jerk reactions. He looked to him throughout his life. He meditated on his character. He pulled lessons of wisdom, illustrations from creation. He pondered what God created and said, I can see God in this. You know, we are surrounded by evidence of God. He focused on God's might and his love and his power and his deliverance. We see throughout the Psalms, That David was honest with God about his shortcomings, his struggles, and his sins. But he continued to stir up his mind and his heart to focus on God's truth. He wasn't passive about it. It's in my notes. Interesting that Ryan um, shared on this too. When David was confronted with his sin with Bathsheba by the prophet Nathan, he didn't make it owned it immediately and turned and repented to God. And in that time, David wrote Psalm 51. In verses 10 through 13, he cries out, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. That was his greatest treasure. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Both kings were chosen by the same God for the same nation. Both kings were anointed by the same prophet. Both kings exhibited successes and failures that were so significant. One king chose the admiration and praise of people. He chose self-reliance. When confronted with his sin, he would make excuses and blame others. He was concerned more about his image, his image. One king was a man after God's own heart, repentant, persistent, aligning his mind to the truth of God, keeping his heart soft toward God, his promises and his ways. This morning, church, I want to ask you, what kind of king or queen do you choose to be? Please stand I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up as well, please. grateful for them. I believe we're all called to be heroes of faith in our generation, to press in and persevere. If faith in God is new to you, and you're a guest here, you might be asking, like, what is going on? I just came to visit. You're telling me God is calling me to be a hero. I want to tell you, the Bible teaches us that God created each and every one of us with a divine purpose. With specific gifts. They're timely and they're necessary. And he created us to have a good